I can't remember if I uh, gave this illustration before, but uh, follow along with me if you would. Surprised to see an empty seat at the Super Bowl stadium. A diehard fan remarked about it to a woman sitting nearby. So there's an empty seat sitting next to this lady. And she said to him, "It it was my husband's, the woman explained. But he died, and so the person felt bad. Oh, I'm very sorry, said the man. You know, I'm, I'm really surprised that a relative or friend didn't jump at the chance to come and sit with you here at the Super Bowl. And she says, beats me. They're all stuck on going to the funeral. <laughs> so you follow that, right? So even though this woman should be at the funeral with her husband who had just died. She's at the Super Bowl by herself. It's more fun than being at a funeral, right? Isn't that the way we are sometimes? (laughs) Huh? Careful, careful. I know that I should be in church on Sunday morning or at youth group or whatever the case may be, but man, it's just so comfortable sitting here. It's warm. I'm in my easy chair. I got my Pepsi or whatever it is, my tea here, and I got my 55-inch TV, and man, life is good. (laughs) Right? When we know that we really should be in the presence of God. Yeah? And, well, I know that there's things that need to be done at the work day on, on, at church. And, and, but, man, I've, I've just been working so much. I got, I got no time. I got no energy. I'd rather stay home and, and do the funeral Super Bowl. Okay? <laughs> They're stuck at being at the funeral. The call of the world is very powerful and attractive, isn't it? And we want to remain in our comfort zones. God's not about comfort zones. I'll tell you that straight up. He is not about comfort zones at all. All right? He wants us to be at peace. He wants us to live in joy and in truth and to live a fulfilled life However, okay, however, we can get seriously lazy. I know, it's hard to believe. But we can get really lazy, and we can get comfortable, and we can get fat because we're just sitting there doing nothing when everybody else is doing all the work. Do you know... The truth of the matter is 5% of the people do 95% of the work in the church. 5%. That's not good, friends. It's not good for the ones that are doing the work. It's not good for the kingdom. It's not good for the person that's not doing the work. Okay? Now, it's not my intention to step on your toes. It's not my intention to ruffle your feathers if you would have feathers. It's not my intention to meddle in your lives. That's God's job. So I'm going to blame that on him. However, 
It is my job to disciple. Yes? And to teach those who would listen everything that God commanded and to obey Him. Amen? The call of the world is very attractive and very powerful. We prefer to seek our own comfort and our own enjoyment instead of what God wants and what the kingdom needs. Okay? We resent anything or anyone who would call us away from our own pleasure. Okay? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I'll meet you there. I may even beat you there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, and let's see if anything that is listed here in this description fits life where we are today. Okay? And it says, But mark this, terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Let's just stop right there. Lovers of themselves. Okay? So these are the importances that people are putting. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Boy, do we see these things in the world today? It's as if this person, Paul, was reading to us yesterday. How, How wonderful is that? Let's continue. Uh, Self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good. They're treacherous. They're rash, conceited. Now listen to this. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. Having a form of godliness. Let's just... Let's focus, let's zero in, let's, let's bring down the microscope onto this slide. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So having a form of godliness, well, if you look at it on the outside, it sounds like godliness, it looks like godliness, but there's no meat to it. There's no power in it. There's no truth to it. We don't want to be like those people. We don't want anything to do with those kind of people. Because it's false. It's false. Lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And the tendency and the temptation is for us to allow these things to creep into our lives. I can stay home and watch a preacher on TV. I can stay home, all right? I can... Go on the internet. Okay? And so the temptation is to give in to these things. All right? Is to give in to 
allow them to creep into their lives. There's a, I, I watched um, Spider-Man the other day. I think it was Spider-Man 3. I'm, I'm a Marvel buff. I love that stuff. And uh, in this one, there was this black substance. Do you guys remember that? And it was like this gummy substance. And it begins to, uh, to creep uh, into him, and it, it gets into his life, and it begins to take him over. And it was a living whatever it was, but it was evil. It was tarry, right? And it took him over and made him something that he was not. Okay? And that's what the enemy tries to do to us. Okay? He tries to creep into our lives. I'm sorry for the trouble that we're having with this thing, but um, the guys are going to take care of it. Um, And so the enemy tries little by little by little, just like this thing. I don't even know what to call it. And he creeps into our lives, and pretty soon, pretty soon, it's taking over, and we become somebody that we never intended to be. We become somebody that we never intended to be. All right? And so we, we are to stick to it. There's a, a phrase, a, a word in the Bible. It's called persev- perseverance. All right? A word that not many of us are fond of I would say, right? But it's necessary in the life of a believer. Perseverance must finish its work, the Bible says, so that we are lacking nothing. God wants us to be mature, bearing fruit. Well, what kind of fruit? Oranges? Peaches? No. Oh, those are very good. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control as well. All right? All those things are the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that God wants to cultivate in our lives. We're never meant to stay still. You know what happens when you stay still? You get stagnant. Have you ever seen water that has no inlet or outlet? It becomes stagnant. Okay? We are to have the input, the inlet of the Holy Spirit from the presence of God that outflows to our world around us and to those that we come in contact with. Amen? Let's continue on. I wonder, the Bible says that the love of most will wax cold. It says that in the Word of God. The love of most will wax cold. Have you ever thought of what that means? The love of most will wax cold. I wonder, what will be the priority in your life? What is the priority? Is the priority money? Okay. Is the priority fame, having 
a name that everyone recognizes? Is the priority sex? Is the priority music? Is the priority my goals? I'm going to achieve these things and and everything else gets stepped on as I'm going to achieve. I'm not letting anything get in the way of my achieving these goals. Is the priority my family? And you know, it's very easy for the priority of the family to become number one over God in our lives. Very easily. What is the, the priority in your life? All right? If you had to make a list of priorities in your life, God should be number one above everything else. That's biblical, friends. And that's what he's telling his people that are listening to him. Anyone that would come after me must first count the cost. All right? You must love me, revere me, honor me, respect me more than your family. More than your friends. More than your goals. More than your name. More than your very own life. I wonder if we really, I wonder what God would say is the priority in our lives. Or how about this? If we had to have some friends of ours list according to our actions what my priorities are, what your priorities are. You follow me? Well, because it's very obvious the, um, because of the amount of time that you give that thing. Okay? If your priority is, is, is money, then you're going to spend a lot of time in effort trying to get money. If your priority is something else, music, then you're going to spend a lot of time on music. If your priority is faint, whatever, you, you fill in the blank, okay? If your priority is Christ, you're going to devote time to Christ, okay? So I wonder if God himself had to, by our actions, list the priorities in our lives, I wonder how we would fare. Hmm? Now, we may say Christ is my number one, but he really may be number three by our actions. Right? Hmm. I wonder. What will be the priority in your life? Are there any bargain hunters? Bargain hunters, yeah? Come on. Let me see your hands. Come on, Sharon. I know you. You can't hide. <laughs> Come on, Marion. <laughs> All right, now listen. We love bargain hunting. Everybody loves a bargain. Okay? If you knew how cheap I am buying clothes, you would laugh at me. Everywhere I go, I'm checking clearance racks, and I refuse to pay more than $3 for a shirt. That's too much money. Okay? You laugh. (laughs) That's why my wife and daughter have to dress me all the time. (laughs) And my sister. (laughs) So, but, so, if we're, 
We're searching for bargains. We're bargain hunters. We, wanna, we want as much as we can for as little as possible, right? So when we're in the store, we're, we're checking for stuff, and maybe we're shopping for food. Sharon is an expert at finding bargains. It's amazing. They find bargains and coupons and all that kind of stuff, and they donate a lot of it to the church for our Christmas baskets so that by the time a few months have gone into the new year, we've got things already put towards our Christmas baskets. Can you believe that? That's pretty cool, huh? So we're in the store, we're searching for bargains. Three for one, yeah! Right? Buy one, get one free, yeah! Okay? Bargain hunters. But you know what? When it comes to the kingdom of God, we can't try to get as much as we can for as little investment as possible. You see, it doesn't work that way. Jesus gave it all on the cross, okay? He gave it all on the cross. However, every slave, you and me, that has been set free should come back to serve. Yeah? So we've been set free from our sin, yet we should come back to serve the kingdom, the church, Wow. What is the least amount that I have to do and still receive all the good stuff of heaven? That's the way we act a lot of times. Okay? Hence the reason by the 5% doing the 95% in the church. That's not healthy, friends. No business it's difficult for, for anything to run well on that sort of ratio, wouldn't you say? Okay. But that's sometimes how we live our lives, searching for a bargain of faith that we can get so much stuff without having to give anything. Okay. Now, don't, don't make the mistake in thinking that we can earn our way into heaven because that has nothing to do with it. All right. Jesus paid the whole price, and whether or not we receive him or reject him makes the decision as to whether or not we will go to be with him in heaven. Okay? However, our deeds reflect our devotion and our love for Christ. Very clearly. All right? So let's think about this. And again, I don't mean to meddle. It's not my job to meddle, but I'm trying to point out some things that maybe you have shoved under the rug hoping that you won't have to deal with them later on or that nobody will notice, okay? So I, I come to church twice out of the month, okay? All right, now I know I'm meddling. I don't mean to, but I'm just hoping to draw some attention to some areas, I come to church twice a month. What does that say to God? That's all I got to give you. All right? That's the importance in my life. That's your rating. I tithe twice a month. Okay? Do you see where I'm going here? 
Do you see that the importance, we, we say one thing, we, we may even think it and believe it in our own hearts, but our actions show differently. I tithe what I have in my pocket on a Sunday morning. I haven't given much thought to it, but whatever I got left over at the end of the week, that's what I'm going to give to God. What do you think that says to him? What do you think that says to him? What would happen in our marriages? <laughs> Why does it always come to that? Why? <laughs> what would happen in our marriages if we said, if I said to Jody, Jody, I love you more than anything in this whole world. She's not here, so I can take advantage of this. No video, please. So I love you more than anything else in this whole world, but I don't give her that time, okay? I work my day. I come home, and then there's other things that I want to do, and so I go and I do those things, And then just before my head hits the pillow at night, I give her a kiss on the cheek and I say, love you, baby. Love you, baby. I think too often we do those things in our marriages. I think too often we do those things with the Lord. Lord, you're first in my life, but my actions show that really you're down here someplace. We, sh- we should be embarrassed by that. We should be embarrassed by that. It's not right. It's not right. So what are we going to do about it? How do we fix it? What do we do? Luke 14, chapter tw- verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Why does he demand so much? Why? Why is that? Well, I wonder, friends, family, if it's because he gave everything for us. I wonder. There was a man that was charged by the government to keep this lighthouse burning. And he would get an allotment of fuel, oil, whatever the case may be. And his job was to keep that lighthouse burning from one month to the next. And so he would get so much oil in order to do that, okay? And so you know the lighthouse shines a beacon of light out over the water to do what? Show the ships how to get home. And so this lighthouse keeper, while he was, he was given his allotment of oil for the month, a widow came to him and said, can you, help, can you give me some oil so that I can care for my son? so that we can stay warm. And so the man thought that was a good idea. And so he gave 
a little bit of oil to her. Okay? Someone else came needing oil for a lamp so that they could study. That is a justifiable need. And so the man gives a little oil to this one. Then a farmer came, and and the farmer needed oil for his tractor in order to keep the the fields plowed and to be able to have a harvest so his family can be fed. And, and, And so the lighthouse keeper gives him some oil for his tractor. And as the month went on, he ran out of oil one night, and a storm came, and the ships could not find their way home. And it cost 100 lives. And when a government official came and investigated, wanted to know what happened, how could this happen? We gave you oil that should have been plenty. What happened? Well, the man explained what he had done and why he had done it. And their response was this. You were given one task alone, and it was to keep the light burning. Everything else was secondary. Your one job was to keep the lighthouse burning. Everything else was secondary. Friends, keeping Christ first in our lives is premier. Everything else is secondary. The call of discipleship, of following Christ, is a call to make Jesus first in our lives before anything else. Friends, family. You know, sometimes people you love may not understand this. We're having a family gathering on Sunday morning. I want you to be there. Well, I can. We're going to be in church. Well, can't you miss it this one time? I mean, really, one, one time is not such big. Yes, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. Why? Because you do it once, and it's so much easier the second time. I don't want to ever put something before Christ in my life. Not my children, not my family, not my wallet, my business, not even my church. People may not understand the devotion, the commitment, the requirement. People may not understand it. Christianity is not for bargain hunters. There is no faith bargain of the month. It is not for people who want the most for the least. It's a place for people who are willing to surrender everything. Jesus knew what he was talking about. And he knew what it was going to cost. Those who seek to be his disciples and yet fail to make Christ the priority in their lives, Jesus says, are not worthy to be my disciples. That hurts. That hurts. That hurts because I'm, I'm here two Sundays a month. That hurts because I'm tithing like I'm tipping God. That hurts because I'm not helping out where I know there's a need. 
Do you know, friends, that's why churches end up closing their doors? Do you know that's why churches can't pay their bills? Do you know that's why the pastor ends up being the one who does everything? And you can't do that. You can't have growth, and that's the way things go. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is saying to us, I want you, you must think of me first before you think of your money, before you think of your family, before you think of your job, before you think of anything else. Think of me first. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. But I worked all week. I just need one day when I can stay home and just sleep in. Just one day. Seek him first and his righteousness. Yeah, but I need that money that, I, that would be required in my tithe. I need it to, to do this. Seek me first. Seek me first. And I'll take care of all the other stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Well, what things? Think about it. What things will be added unto me as well? If I seek Christ first in my life, what's going to be added to me as well? Well, when you think about it, if I think about Christ first in my family, The blessings of God and the favor of God come upon my family. If I think of Christ first in my money by tithing, God's blessings come in the tithe, in the money that God saves me in the amounts that I'm not paying out. And so on and so forth. Keep Christ first. There's a scripture in Revelation that talks about this very thing. In Revelation chapter 2, let's turn there. And I'll end with this scripture. Revelation chapter 2. Now, these are letters, if you will, messages to the churches. Okay? And there's a number of different letters. But in chapter 2, verse 4, It's talking the angel of the church in Ephesus, and he says, write these things, all right? And he gives a list of things that the church is doing well. I know your deeds, in verse 2, it says, I see the things you're doing. You're hardworking, you're perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate wicked people. I know you've tested those who claim to be apostles, and so on and so forth, and how you've endured difficulty because of my name. But he says this one thing in verse 4, yet this one thing I hold against you, you have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken your first love. Friends, what is your first love? Jesus. And he's saying to this church, you, do, you got all these other good things going for you, but there's one thing that you've forgotten, and it's a big one. You have forgotten your first love. Friends, we can't do that. We can't forget our first love. We can't put other things 
in priority over Christ in our lives. Because once that happens, the priority ladder is all messed up. And then everything else in our lives becomes messed up. Yeah? But if we keep Christ first in our lives, he keeps everything in order. Everything will be added unto us if we keep him first. Very, very important. Essential in the lives of believers. Now listen, I'm not trying to make enemies here, okay? My desire is to teach the Word of God, okay? It is up to you how you respond to that. That is your job, okay? Now, I include myself in these things. I am not immune. I am not immune. I am a man. I am human, just like you. And so we all must put forth an effort to keep Christ first in our lives. And you know what? Sometimes that takes some rearranging. We need to rearrange our priorities so that Christ is first thing in our lives, in our family, in our finances, in our time, in our giftings. Are we using our giftings to bless other people? Do you understand? Would you stand with me today? God is speaking a message of encouragement to the church. And as the world continues and gets busier and busier and technology just is going r- crazy right now, and I, I'm, I love technology and I love, you know, the latest gadgets and all that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, it's the increase in knowledge, and the Bible talks about, there, you know, people will, will go on, they will increase in knowledge and and, but the, the focus is not on Christ. And when the focus is not on Christ, everything else is messed up. And so I'm asking you today, what is first in your lives? What is first? And so Christ is bringing us to the place to where we are and we have to answer that question. And it's up to us how we will respond to that. And so I want to have a time here just very quickly where we can come forward and we can make those declarations to the Lord that we can we can apologize, we can ask forgiveness and we can ask for help to do things the right way. Maybe you're new to, maybe you're a new Christian, you didn't know all these things. And so you're just hearing them. And so now you're faced with, well, how how do I respond to these things? Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've settled into a way of life and, and you're comfortable and you're satisfied with the way things are going. God is asking for more from you. God wants more of your talents. God wants more of your time, more of your commitment, and so on. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray for each one that has come forward here today. God, I pray that you would touch them. I pray that you would give them strength and courage to do 
what is necessary to keep you first in their lives, oh God. I pray that you would lead them by your spirit, by your Holy Spirit, that you would empower them, Heavenly Father, to do what needs to be done. I pray for every person in this church, including myself and my family, that we would seek you first, Heavenly Father, that we would put you first, and that when others see us, that they would know that Christ is first in our lives by our actions and by our time investment. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for a growth spurt in our church. I pray that revival would break out in this place, Heavenly Father, and in the church of Orleans County and all the packed churches and all around this area, that there would be a revival and it would start in us personally. That we would crave more. That we would not be satisfied. That we would hunger. And that we would have a passion for more of you. And Father, I would pray a special prayer today for those who are sick, including Jody. And Father, I pray that you would touch them and raise them up. That even today, even before we say amen, that they would sense something going on. The healing of the Master. We pray all these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.